0: Hello dog lovers. Thank you for joining me this week. Well, it happened. I either did not take the time to record a new show or I just felt like skipping a week. After four years of weekly shows, I guess I can give myself a pass on one or two. Either way, I have gone through my library of past shows and picked a few that I really like and I still listen to every now and then. These shows were handpicked by me because I thought the message was good and should be replayed at some point. Most of them are well over a 100 episodes back, and the only way you could actually listen to that show is to go to my website, FamilyDogFusion.com. They may not have been the most popular or the most downloaded shows. They're just shows that I feel have a great message and that you will learn something new every time you listen. Now, remember, these are past shows, and they are very dated. I will be talking about things that I've done in the past um, or requesting things from you that, you know, I requested two or three years ago. Just ignore all that banter and any requests that we had. Again, they're two or three years old, so just ignore it all. And with no further delay,
1: let's see what I've picked for you. This is Discover Your Dog, the show that demystifies your dog's behavior so you can get the best results from your dog training. This show is brought to you by FamilyDogFusion.com and our affiliate partner, Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, the company that gives you peace of mind and protects your four-legged family members when you need it the most. Get your free dog insurance quote by going to FamilyDogFusion.com slash insurance. This is Devin Best, rogue leader and co host of Discover Your Dog. In episode 89, professional dog trainer and mutant mentor Benny Copeland breeds a new context for understanding your dog. Also, learn characteristics of some specific breeds. And stay tuned for a system to help you research your dog, all in this classified episode of Discover Your Dog. lovers, thank you for all the neato reviews. Please keep those fantastic five-star ratings coming. Also, please share this podcast with someone you think needs it. Click on the little share button right now, shoot it to your coworker, or find an episode on our Facebook page and tag your friends. Spread the word. Help the dogs. Please continue to send your questions, comments, and canine conundrums to trainer at familydogfusion.com. Lastly, show your dog that you love her by going to familydogfusion.com/register to get your free ebooks and dog training video. With that, let's get started. Benny Copeland, what problem are we solving for the audience today? Yes, sir. Problem for the audience. Well, you know, last week
0: we actually talked about and covered the first aspect of your dog's life cycles. And again, today we are focusing on the dog. So if you figured it out, that that is the difference of what we are talking about in this three-part series that I alluded to last week, today we're going to focus on breed-specific characteristics and issues that you may encounter with any particular breed of dog you may have already or one you may be looking to get. This includes mixed breeds as well. And I'm stoked about what we have in store for you next week to end out the trilogy, as you said earlier. And obviously, the show would take hours upon hours if we covered every breed of dog. So we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about very specific characteristics that can be and, and how you can look for those characteristics in certain breeds. And we're going to call out a few breeds. And uh, we're going to really cover these main characteristics.
1: Yeah, we went back and forth on this show for, was it two and a half hours before we decided to sit down and record? (laughs) Yeah, it started off very differently, you know, and it started off very focused on a few specific breeds. And we decided that it would Mm -hmm. serve our audience, the dog lovers, better to look at some frameworks by which you can assess breeds. You know, the ways that we can look different sorts of character traits in these breeds that will help you understand your your dog better, and will also help you make better decisions or make clear decisions about any dog that you might get in the future. Exactly.
0: And this is one of the things that I knew that we needed to talk about. Mainly, we're always talking about you, the dog owner, you, the dog lover. And today and in the next show, and the last show, we're specifically going to talk about the dog. And what my goal is, is that when you are researching, whether you already have the dog and there's some specific issues that are going on or things that are going on, and you want to know, you know, why is my dog doing this? This may answer that question. And so my goal is, is that when we're talking about these specific characteristics, you get to look at, well, is my dog really high in this characteristic or really doesn't have this characteristic? And you're going to see through some of the examples that I give that some of these characteristics are very specific to specific
1: breeds. And the reason that this was such a challenge is because there are so many different ways to approach this concept. We looked at individual breeds and Mm -hmm. and characteristics that manifest from those breeds. We looked at problems that dog owners might have and how understanding the breed addresses those problems. And what we settled on was that this is about putting the dog in context. And in order to fully understand a dog's context, you got to understand its genetics and what, Influences how that dog, like the range of behaviors that it's capable of, the type of personality that it might demonstrate, the expected, you know, energy level of the dog. Like these are very important to consider so that you, the dog lover can adapt your life to accommodate that dog and to respond appropriately so that you understand what's happening with the dog and why is it behaving the way that it behaves.
0: Right, and also to look at some of the things that you, as the dog owner, as the dog lover, when you do have a dog, and it seems like it's not working out in a certain situation, is that a characteristic of that dog that just doesn't fit in that mold that you're in at this moment, or if you're looking for a new dog, to um, research that, and we're going to do a little bit more of that in the homework. We're going to ask some questions and have a little checklist for people to be able to, you know, understand. Why is is it a good fit? Why is it not a good fit? And also by looking at the dog's characteristics, if that is um, the reason that they're having some of the behaviors you're having.
1: Well, I think that we've got this set up nicely. We're both very excited about this show and what it's become, and I'm ready to get into the main topic. If you are, let's do it.
0: Very good. So in our main topic, what we're going to talk about today is is these unique characteristics and um, some dogs that specifically have these characteristics or don't. And the first thing that I do want to talk to you about, and, and one of the biggest things that I get, is that you have this tendency to compare the current dog to your last dog. Stop. Stop comparing your new dog to the last dog that you had that was this amazing dog. And you wonder why this dog's not perfect. Like that last dog you forgot, you forgot all the stuff you went through as a puppy. You forgot all the things that you had, you went through when you got this new dog and not every dog is going to be the same. Even if you get the same exact breed and they do have these equal characteristics, even if you have that, you're still going to find that your dog has personality differences. But it looks exactly the same, Benny. It, it's it's the identical dog. Right. Just because it looks the same doesn't mean it's going to be the same. You know, Tam has twins. They are very different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mean they have individual characteristics of their own? Right, right.
0: <laughs> and they're different from the dog.
1: Imagine that. All right. Well, that's good. So, <laughs> so what specific breed characteristics are we going to look at today?
0: Okay. So... When I was doing my research, I came across a website called dogtime.com. That's D-O-G-T-I-M-E dot com. And in each breed, they actually break down each breed and they have these main characteristics. They actually have 31 different characteristics and there's five basic characteristics and then they have subheadings for each one of those. And the five characteristics that they list and that we would judge a breed by are these five characteristics. Number one is adaptability. Number two is all-around friendliness. Number three is health and grooming. Number four is trainability. And the last one, number five, is exercise needs. And like I said, they rate overall each of the dogs... And when I was looking these up, I was looking up specific breeds and then they have these little subheadings for each one. So we're going to go over some of those subheadings and we're going to talk about some specific
1: breeds. Before we get into that, I have a question for you. Do you think that this list, uh, adaptability, all around friendliness, health and grooming, trainability and exercise needs? Do you think that that is a good set of characteristics to filter a dog through? I do. It really
0: is. It really does cover and why I really like this site. Even though I didn't agree with all of their ratings on specific breeds, I, what I did find is that I would have my own rating within that and it really covered a good, it really was a good, especially when we talk about some of these subheadings, it really was a good perspective on what you would be looking at in a specific breed or with a breed of dog. And I think you're going to, that's going to make a lot more sense when we start talking about them. And I do name off some specific breeds.
1: I think the reason, the reason I'm asking that question, the last Mm -hmm. thing is the reason I'm asking that question is if, if you think this is a good way to look at a dog, I think our dog lovers can trust that. What we're about to talk about is a really good way, just a framework to kind of put the dog in perspective, understand the dog from a a deeper point of view and get get a lot of use out of this. So you ready to go into that list.
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you. I am. Let's do it. Great. Adaptability. So there are um, quite a few subtopics of that, too. One of them, and I like this one, does this dog adapt well to living in an apartment, for example? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, so what that would mean is, is this dog good in smaller areas or would this dog need a broader uh, range of areas? Would it need a lot maybe a farm or would it do better in a suburb type,
1: you know, with a big yard? What about noise level? Like if, if a dog, a smaller dog or a dog that doesn't make as much noise would be more appropriate for an apartment versus a dog that's got a lot of room to bark and run around. and
0: Right. For example, like if a dog was real skittish, for example, if you had a dog that had a very skittish behavior, um, Molly, for example, she did not do well when we first moved into an apartment because she had this skittish behavior and loud sudden noises make her nervous. Uh, And she got used to it and we were able to and she adapted to the apartment living and those noises and things like that. In addition to apartment living or that type of lifestyle, also, you need to consider, are you there all the time with your dog? Is this going to be something? Is your dog going to be adaptable if you work a lot? Say you work a eight to 10 hour day. Is your dog going to be okay being there at that time? There are dogs that don't do well. In those type of environments that they need a lot of activity and that they need a lot of time with you. For example, a border collie is not going to be good being left alone for long, long periods of time. It's one that needs a lot of activity where if you had maybe a sluggish dog like a bulldog or something like that, (laughs) maybe a Frenchie, those dogs really do well at just hanging out and being home and being a slug. And so they could probably tolerate being alone for a lot longer. Now, when we talk about, when I do talk about these specific breeds too, just remember, just because it's general to that breed doesn't mean every breed is going to be, every one of that breed is going to be that way. You may have a bulldog that doesn't do well being alone. Typically they would. Another thing is, and we talked about briefly, you know, is that dog real skittish? Is the dog, does your dog tolerate a lot of activity and a lot of noise? So, are they very sensitive? Is that dog sensitive? Um, One of the dogs that I was going to talk about is a Weimariner, for example. I don't feel like it would be good in an apartment complex because they're in, and they are a very highly sensitive dog. So, they get their feelings hurt or things that can happen. And in the process of not giving that dog a lot of activity or things like that, you're going to see that, that, that might be part of the unadaptability if you're in an apartment, for example. All right, the second one we talked about is all-around friendliness. Is your dog all-around friendly? Does it get along with a lot of other people? Does it get along with other dogs? Is it friendly toward people that are strange coming into your home or when you're out on walks or things like that? These are things to look at when what your with, what your life is, is this, are you going to have your dog out at dog parks? Are you, do you plan on taking your dog with you everywhere you go? So these are things that you really want to look at when you're looking at a specific breed of dog. There are some dogs that are very affectionate, and very friendly. Uh, Devin, we were talking earlier about Cocker Spaniels. Cocker right. Spaniels have a tendency to latch on to one owner. And they're not very social with other owners and other dogs. So this would be one breed that you would go, well, I'm a loner. I kind of hang out at my house by myself all the time. This would be a good breed to have. If you're very social, it may not be a really good breed to have.
1: See, my mom always wanted to get a Cocker Spaniel for the family, and I never did Mm -hmm. like those. And I didn't like them just because they're stupid looking ears. And I'm sure I just offended all the Cocker Spaniel lovers in our audience. (laughs) I never did like those dogs. And I'm really glad that she never got one if it's going to be so, you know, clingy Mm -hmm. and attached to one individual in the family, it probably wouldn't have made a really good family dog with my, you know, two siblings and mom and dad.
0: Right. That is true. And, and typically when I have or see issues with the cocker spaniel, it's because that dog is attached to one person in the home and it uh-huh. wasn't socialized really well early on. So then what happens is that dog becomes anti-social and anti-accepting and can become very territorial and possessive of things as well. See, that's good to know before buying a dog. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> right. And if you've got that and you're having those issues, it's good to know that that might be part of what your dog's personality is and that that's just how they are. And you might notice now that your dog is very attached to you. I noticed with Molly, she was she had a really good personality, was able to separate and just hang out wherever, Where Oz, he follows me everywhere. And he's getting to that point where he doesn't do that as much anymore. The third characteristic is health and grooming. And when we talk about this, we're not talking about what you need to do to the dog. What we're talking about is this a high shedding dog, for example. High shedding dogs are, uh, can be, um, have a lot of allergens. Uh, they can create a lot of that in your family and in your household. You're going to be cleaning up a lot if they shed. This is why a lot of people get poodles, because they're very low shedding dogs. And sometimes with a dog, just because it has short hair does not mean it's not going to shed. I've seen Dobermans that they shed like crazy and they have little tiny short hairs and they're all over the place. Very difficult to clean up. Right. Other things are if a dog drools, let's say, for example, uh, a Mastiff, you get a Mastiff and he's he drinks a lot and he's a big drooler and then he wants to come put his head on your lap. You know, they're big droolers. (laughs) Other things are are they easy to groom? Are they ones that are very complicated? Yorkies, for example, they're very complicated to groom, especially if you grow them long. Now, if you cut them short, they're easier to groom. And if you let them grow, let their hair grow long like a normal, what you would see in a show Yorkie or whatever, they're very, it takes a lot to groom them. So that's something that's really something you should look at as well when you're looking at different breeds, the size. We just compared a Yorkie and a Mastiff in the same, you know, health and grooming <laughs> right. section, uh, and they're both very different sized dogs. The Yorkie that we had never got more than four pounds, and I was just telling you about a dog with a, a owner that I had that was 120 pounds and she was laying in their chair and the dog climbed up to get in her lap and pinned her
1: into the chair. Right. Which actually could be dangerous, for, especially for an older person or somebody that has frail bones. That might Absolutely. be a, an important consideration.
0: And, it, and it's interesting because one of the dogs that people have talked about are actually good for older people is a Great Dane because they're leaners. So they'll actually lean against you and it helps people to stay upright. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. That's I've the last that.
1: dog I would think about getting for I my I know, for, for your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Here's your new walker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all
1: things to get.
0: Okay. Right. The fourth characteristic we talked about was trainability. When I look at two of the, the subheadings here are, is the dog easy to train and is the dog intelligent? Intelligence and easy to train do not go hand in hand. <laughs> I've, what I've found is that the more intelligent a dog is, the harder it is to train. And basically that's because what happens is, is this dog knows how to get over on you. <laughs> this dog is going to know how to manipulate this, you know, the, a highly intelligent dog, like a border collie, for example. I consider them in one of the top three most intelligent breeds. And They manipulate people. I see them. I've I've been in a home. I had a dog one time and actually a quiche hound is a very intelligent breed as well. And I was in a home one time with this owner. And I said, this dog has trained you (laughs) to do everything in its home. And it was the truth. This dog had trained them. They were doing things in their home because of how this dog behaved. And it was manipulating them to do things and was very difficult to train this dog. Dogs that don't have a real high intelligence level, those are the ones that I find are much easier to train because they're typically dogs that want to do for you. For example, labs, I consider them right in the middle. You can have some really smart labs and you can have some really dumb labs. And they're very trainable. Labs are very trainable, easy to potty train, easy to train to a home. They're, they're very adaptable and um, I, I do relate a lot of that to the intelligence level. Do they have a prey drive? Now, this is one thing. If a dog has a big prey drive, they can be highly trainable and highly trained because if they do have a prey drive, they have something that they focus on, and when you can figure out what that focus is, it really can help you to train this dog really well as well. Is that sort of like uncovering the dog's motivation? Right. You can figure out what the dog, what motivates the dog and then really use that in the training, you know, part of what you're doing with your dog and what we talk about all the time when you're training and you're working with your dog. If You can find what motivates them. You definitely can use that to your advantage. And, you know, we talk about motivation, how it's a great tool. It's not a great method of training and used appropriately in a tool. It can really you can really highly train your dog, especially a very intelligent dog with a high prey drive. And the last breed characteristic that we're going to talk about is the exercise needs or one of the subheadings is energy levels of your dog. I actually went through and have created a list for a person's activity level. If a person has, for example, I'll just use this one as an example, a very sedentary life. You love to sit down on the couch and watch movie and eat bonbons then there are specific dogs that are very good for this. Now, a small breed dog would be like a B-Shot or a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Those are very sedentary dogs. They love to be in your lap and they can just hang out with you. A medium-sized dog would be a Bulldog, which I've talked about, and also a Basset Hound. Basset Hounds are just couch potatoes. Now, a good large breed dog would be like a Bloodhound or a Mastiff. Now, both of these dogs, they're very large breed dogs, and they typically just want to be laying around. Most times they're just laying around because they're storing up energy for that quick thing that they want to do, like if they have to protect or if they want to go eat their food or (laughs) whatever, and they just hang out and store up that energy all day long. So they're they're hunting down fugitives, right? Right, right, (laughs) right. So that's what they do. They store store up that energy to work. and that and that's really something to look at too. What are the energy levels of your dog? What are the things that you do in your life? Are you very active? If you're very active, you don't want to have a bulldog in your life. Now, and again, This goes, I'll give you an example of how that's a a total opposite of what I just said, because for the most part, bulldogs are like that. They're very sedate. They just want to be hanging around. They're not real active. And yet I was at the park one time at this, uh, I think it was a dog days. And there was this gentleman and he had a bulldog and it literally looked like that bulldog you see on the cartoons, the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Oh, yeah. he was like super muscular and had the yeah. bow legs and he was this dog was Spike super active. Color.
1: Spike. That's his name. Yeah, Spike. Spike. That was it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this dog was super active, looked like that, you know, and that was usually you see bulldogs they're uh, just a chunk and uh, have a lot, you know, a lot of extra skin laying on them. <laughs> this dog had <laughs> right. no extra skin. So those are the five characteristics, main characteristics with some of the subheadings that you will look for. And today in the homework, what we're going to talk about is if you have a dog or if you are looking for a new dog, what is it that you would be looking for to match your lifestyle? And our checklist today, what are the things in your life that you need to analyze, that you need to look at? in order to either bring in that new dog into your home, or even if you already have a dog, then it has a certain behavior that you just can't figure out. Maybe these are the things that you should be looking at as to why your dog is now behaving the way that it does, because it doesn't match what your lifestyle is. For your homework this week, it will be to research the breed of your choice whether it be a breed that you already have or one you may be looking into getting for the future. Now in order to pick a breed that will be right for you, I want you to look at and think of the following factors. And of course, you can always refer back to the beginning of those five characteristics and their subcharacteristics as well. And these are going to be things that go on with you that are part of your lifestyle. And I want you to be honest. There's a Big thing here. I don't want you getting a dog with the intent of exercising later. If you don't exercise, don't get a dog that needs a lot of exercise. Now, if you're already in the midst of losing that 30 pounds and you're halfway through your exercising and you're creating a really good habit and you decide to get a dog to keep it going, great. And if you're not, if you haven't started that routine, don't get a dog that needs a lot of exercise. Go ahead and get that dog that can just hang out with you at the house. (laughs) That's a great piece of advice. I know, right? (laughs) So number one, would you want an adult dog or a puppy? Even if you're considering getting a purebred dog, almost 25% of the dogs that are in adoption facilities are purebred. You can still go with the adult option or you could get a puppy and just remember you're going to have some puppy issues that go along with that. Number two, size matters. There are many factors you should consider when you get a new dog and size is one of those considerations. Larger dogs on average cost about two to three hundred dollars more a year to care for than a small or medium dog. If you travel a lot taking around a larger dog is a little more difficult to manage. And there are a couple of airlines that will actually now let you bring your dog on with you if it will fit under the seat. So a smaller dog would be something you might want to consider in that situation. And consider about the amount of area you're going to need in your home. I had a client, they had two Mastiffs, a Great Dane, and two Pugs, and they lived in a condominium. This was just a giant dog house. That's all the house was. So when you think about those things too, do you have enough room? (laughs) The third thing would be health and activity. How active are you? We talked about this a little earlier and how active you are can largely influence what dog you should get. If you are a runner or a hike and you love to hike and you want your dog to go everywhere with you, look at dogs that have high activity levels. My eyes... I consider him right there in the middle. I I consider myself normal active. I like to hike. I like to take walks. I like to do those things. I don't do it. I'm not a mountain climber, and I don't do it every day. Typically, I might go on a long hike once or twice a month, and he loves to go with me in those things, and he's good just hanging out with me at home as well. Number four is, do you have a large family, and do you have other pets? Do you have children? Do you have cats? Is this dog going to be able to get along with a cat? Are you single? Do you have other dogs that would not get along with other dogs? Do you have a tiny dog and you're looking at getting a large dog? This would be something to consider because the large dog, even though it might be good to the tiny dog, it can still hurt it just in play. So these are things to consider. Number five, is your area that you currently live in dog friendly? Do you live in the city or in the suburb or in the country? Are there parks nearby that you can take your dog? Are there parks nearby just so you can go for a walk? Are there businesses that are dog friendly? I know in Nashville, there are many businesses that are creating outdoor areas so that people can bring their dogs. They're becoming much, much more dog friendly. And a lot of those businesses downtown are allowing people to bring their dogs into these outdoor areas. Number six Is future thinking. Are you going to outlive this dog? Is this really a responsibility that you want to take? Or if you want to get a puppy. And I I mean, I literally have a client right now. They realize that this dog may outlive them. And they've put their dog in their will to their children. And their children are very willing to take care of the dog. So that is something. Two, if you are older and you go get an adult dog, you know it's not going to live as long. So those are the things. And I know small dogs live much longer, sometimes on average of 15 to 20 years, where large dogs live on average maybe 10 to 12 years. So that's something to think about. Now, there's a few other things to consider, and I'm just listing them out here. How much time will you be spending with your dog on a daily basis? Are you one that works a lot and can't spend a lot of time? Or do you work out of your home and you're there all the time? Do you have outside support, family or friends that are willing to take some responsibility? Can they help you in times that you can't be there or you're going to be leaving your dog for too long? Or, like we said earlier, do you have someone that's willing to take your dog if something was to happen to you? Are you ready for new dog destruction in your home and is your home puppy-proofed? So if you're going to get a new puppy and even if you do get an adult dog, typically there's going to be something that gets destroyed in your home, even if it's a leather coaster. (laughs) And are you willing to do the proper training for that particular breed? So if you research that breed, are you willing to do what it takes? Because some dogs need much more training than others. And that's the homework for this week. Thank you very much. In summary. We revealed that we are doing a three-part series about the dog. This is not about you. We also discussed the five main breed characteristics to help you understand why your dog behaves the way it does. And in your homework, it's to research your breed before getting a new dog or recognizing why your dog does what it does. And most of this information came from Mm DogTime.com.
1: Dog lovers, we mentioned earlier in the episode that we're creating a checklist for you to help follow along and do this work and implement it into your life and started thinking about some other episodes that might be more along the lines of implementation of Benny's training rather than just pure information and content, things that would help you get the ball rolling, things that would help you stay on track with your dog training and or that might influence other parts of the training downstream. Now, to that end, you might look at some other episodes like episode 50 for tracking your praise to correction ratio. Remember, that's one where we have a a video showing you how to use a calendar system to track, to make sure that you're at the 10 to 1 ratio for praise to correction. You might listen to episode 86 to get yourself in the right frame of mind before interacting with your dog. And remember, with your free membership, you actually get the video walking your dog on a leash. Now, all of these things taken together can profoundly influence your ability to implement Benny's training and can affect your dog's ability to to learn that that training over time. So I recommend that you check out the episodes we just listed there, episode 50 and episode 86. And remember, you can do that by going to discoveryourdog.com slash whatever the episode number is and you spell it out, episode 050 or discoveryourdog.com slash episode 086. And you can find any of our episodes that exact way. So check out those resources for you. And see if you get a little bit better at training your dog. Thanks. All right, everybody. We will see you all next week when Benny brings the trilogy to an end. See you then. Also, if you're listening to this show on Stitcher or Google Play, please give us a five-star positive rating and a thumbs up right now. Show notes for this episode are at discoveryourdog.com slash episode 089. I bet you think this show is
0: about you. You're You're so vain. vain.
1: (laughs) I love how you did that really low. You're so vain. Yeah, I did the falsetto version of that for you. Yeah okay
0: but you think this show is about you don't you don't you
1: i'm gonna use every bit of this all right great <laughs>